Good morning. Whether you're joining us on public television, over the live stream, or here at the church, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. I am Chris Jimerson, co-lead minister here at the church. We are a spiritual family dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. This morning is our annual pride service. And I especially want to welcome our new co-lead interim minister, Reverend Michelle LaGrave. Michelle? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. You can speak with Michelle after the service. I also want to welcome my co-worship leader this morning. We kind of have a cast of thousands, so I will let them introduce themselves later. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. And it's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us, either in the comments if you're online, or by turning to those around you if you're here in the sanctuary. Please join me as we say the words that we say together when we light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning is titled Jesus at the Gay Bar (laughs) by London-based trans performance artist, poet, speaker, and educator, Jay Hume. He's here in the midst of it, right at the center of the dance floor, robes hitched up to his knees to make it easy to spin. At some point in the evening, a boy will touch the hem of his robe and beg to be healed, beg to be anything other than this. And he will reach his arms out, sweat damped and weary from the dance. He'll cup the boy's face in his hand and say, My beautiful child, there is nothing in this heart of yours that ever needs to be healed. This congregation has a mission. The congregation wrote it together. It's our common religious purpose. It drives all of our decision-making, our ministries, and our programs. We put it on our wall, and we say it together every Sunday. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Now is the time in our service when we center ourselves together, we breathe together. And breathing together, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, a place where we know our true and authentic selves. 
that place where a spark of the divine within each of us radiates. And breathing in and breathing out, feeling the loving presence of those around us, even through virtual space, we enter into a time of sacred silence together, remembering that human sounds and the sounds of small children are a part of that silence in this congregation. Breathing in, breathing out, we now enter into that time of sacred silence together. As we continue our spirit of meditation, and when the music begins in a moment, I will invite you to light candles, candles representing sorrows, joy, remembrances, hope. Holding all of these in our hearts, bringing that which weighs on your heart, whether it be a sorrow or a joy. I invite you now to light candles, and when the music comes to an end, to hold the meditative silence.
Our reading this morning is called Ruminations on the Death of Pat Robertson. It was posted anonymously with only the initials KC. Many thanks to church member Jenny Fredericks for bringing it to my attention. I don't like to think about Pat Robertson going to hell. I like to think about Pat Robertson finding himself in a heaven he never believed would exist. Where Divine is reading in drag to the children murdered at Sandy Hook and Uvalde. Gertrude Stein drinks coffee in the breakfast nook talking politics with Harvey Milk. Where Matthew Shepard relaxes by a stream reading poetry to a nameless young man whose family never claimed his body when he died of AIDS. Where the music plays loudly, welcoming dancers from the pulse and club cue to the floor, where they twirl in vogue with all the murdered trans women of color whose names we never knew. Where Jesus puts his arm around Pat Robertson's shoulder, drapes it with a rainbow feather boa, (laughs) and gesturing around him says, Come, meet my disciples. Good morning. Uh, My name is E. Sizek. I'm Christina Raymond. Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to share with you this morning. Uh, I was raised in a middle-class, blue-collar, Catholic, Polish household outside of Hartford, Connecticut, the only child of a Catholic school teacher and a Polish immigrant. I was the first non-male altar server in our small church. I was raised in a middle-class, upwardly mobile, Catholic, French-Canadian household in the rural suburbs of Portland, Maine. The only child of a first-generation college student from a mill town in northern Maine and a banker who was one of six children, I attended a Catholic elementary middle school for eight years and an all-girls Catholic high school. Our family went to church every Sunday. We went to CCD uh, every Monday after school, which is a Catholic version of our religious ed program. Uh, except not as cool. Uh, <clears throat> all right, imagine this. I had a fancy velour dress with doily collars and black patent leather shoes. I had stand up, sit down, kneel, sing, rinse, and repeat. At eight years old, I sat in an enclosed stall in a church and confessed my sins to a priest hiding behind a screen. At age nine, I was offered the body of Christ, a man I didn't believe in and surely did not want to cannibalize. (laughs) I never really believed in the things I was taught in church as a child and adolescent. It didn't make sense to my brain. None of this stuff made sense to either of us. When we were both in high school, our experiences and exploration of sexual orientation and gender identity were couched in these foundations of sins and salvation. 
understood in context of religious dogma and internalized with shame. When I heard the Catholic Church opposed homosexuality, I took this as an invitation to wholeheartedly reject organized faith, spirituality more broadly. We internalized our queer identities as a way to really cast ourselves off from faith. We rejected religion and spirituality hard so that those in our lives couldn't do it harder. Looking back, it was a survival mechanism. We each rejected religion when we learned that religion had rejected us. As a scholar, I tend to activate the logical parts of my brain, the analytical. God, Christianity, all the things I was taught and absorbed in the world didn't fit with those models of my brain. As a highly sensitive person, I have a sensory experience of the world, and quiet and calmness offer me solace. I'm happiest when I'm in nature, tinkering in the garden. Faith was defined by the smells of incense and tough wooden pews, of itchy pantyhose, and hours of fasting before Sunday service. On Thursday, I shared this service and opportunity with my therapist and my discomfort with the notions of faith, to which she said, I think faith really is just a question of what do you trust? So much of our lives as queer young people had been spent navigating and circumventing people and institutions we distrusted. We were distrustful of the institutions and structures that framed the formidable parts of our lives. This girl named Gabby was my best friend growing up. We were close. Her dad was the pastor of a local church down the street from our school. Every summer, I would go to their vacation Bible school, because it was free. <laughs> One day, when Gabby and I were in high school, her dad, the pastor, had changed the marquee in front of their church to read, Homosexuality is still a sin in God's eyes. In the pulpit, the priest preached, Love and treat thy neighbor as thyself. I have many memories of gathering in the living room of my grandparents' house to watch a hockey game, as good Mainers do. The men would rip their helmets off, throw down their sticks, and pulverize each other. And my family would cheer and holler. There was so much contradiction in my life. There was so much misalignment. And faith really seemed to be the locus of this confusion. As we've grown older and grown individually together and uh, together as a couple, are, sorry, as we've grown older and grown individually and together as a couple, our values have now come into focus. The UU has provided us a framework for which we can be curious and be queer and in, live in alignment with these values to live a life that values the humanity of all beings, a life where faith and our identities are not in conflict, but are woven, to, but are woven together, to live a life of awe and wonder, to live a life of meaning.
Good morning. <laughs> I'm Art Carter, and these are my Austin Pride reminiscences. <clears throat> I am here to share bright thoughts that shape my current life space. Consequently, I celebrate a complex and beautiful spirit-filled intersectional life. As a member of the Austin Universalist Unitarian Community, my ad- identity is an intersection of black, gay, intellectual, curious, curious and male realities. I celebrate spiritual energy that comes from all aspects of life. I seek to practice openness, receptivity, communality, beauty, and awareness of all that is good from philosophy, science, historical figures, and spiritual seekers. Personally, I am a composite of my mother's love, caring aunts and uncles, capable school teachers, and thoughtful thoughtfulness across a current uh, world that I grew up in. I grew up in what we called up south. That was Pennsylvania, but it has southern roots. <laughs> and it, it had undeserved racial hate, bias, and greed. And I experienced that in my early life, but I also experienced extraordinary teachers and much love from neighbors. I rise despite everything that American society does to diminish my black presence in this country. I celebrate the strength of men and women who know, practice, and live in a higher space and higher energy. I never felt that I was the norm for anything I represented. Rather than the norm, I take exception to all things that collide with the joy of life, the beauty of life, and the beauty of great music and the creativity of fellow humans. And these will pres- and the preserve a preservation of nature. And I think in this late time and age all these ideas are at risk in this country. Thank you. Good morning again. Uh, my name is Tom Schindel, and I use he, him pronouns. When Reverend Chris asked me to discuss the intersection of spirituality and sexuality in my life, initially my head exploded. <laughs> That's because for most of my life, the two were neither integrated nor compatible, which led to quite a bit of inner conflict and spiritual turmoil. Let me explain. I was raised as a Roman Catholic by a very devout mother. She stuck to the Catholic party line, which was, it's okay if you are gay, you just can't be in a relationship. Oh my, what a dilemma, what to do? I decided that I would do my best to be a good Catholic and to be the best loving person I could be, both to my mom and whomever I tried to have a relationship with. I tried to be in this impossible, 
fictitious, unrealistic, and spiritually arid intersection. I took care of my mom for almost 20 years, and eventually my mother did pass. And then the most amazing thing happened. Um, When I walked into her room after she had passed, I was suddenly aware of the presence of God in the room. I clearly, clearly heard an inner voice who I just knew was God. And it very clearly said to me that your mom is okay. She's here with me. And I'm really only about two things, love and forgiveness. And that is what I want you to do. I don't really care about all the man-made rules about sex, sexuality, abortion, etc. I'm really only about love and forgiveness. I was dumbfounded. I was very relieved. And I immediately had to snap back into the reality of dealing with my mother's death. It was literally years later that I eventually went into therapy and learned so many things about myself, my relationship to God, the church, and what was right for me. As I only have three minutes, here's the Cliff Notes version. (laughs) It took me several years and many tries to find the correct, supportive, nurturing, and affirming intersection of spirituality and sexuality. The closest and best fit I have found is here, the first UU of Austin. You, all of you, are a part of my spiritual intersection. There has never been a spiritual environment in which I have felt both so empowered and welcomed. I can be in the choir, on the settled minister search committee, a lay leader on Sundays, and I can do it all authentically. You now see a living example of a truly authentic intersection of spirituality and sexuality. Thank you all for being a part of my intersection. Hi, my name is Evan Mahoney and I use they, them pronouns. I've been part of this church community for five years and it's my honor to serve you as a member of the board. When I heard that the proposed topic today was the intersection of identity and faith, I thought of a word that might not strike you as particularly spiritual, gaydar. (laughs) Coined in 1982, this word describes a supposed ability to recognize through observation or intuition that a person is part of the LGBTQ community. The existence of gaydar is a bit of a contested topic scientifically, (laughs) with various studies showing that this or that population is or is not better than random chance at accurately categorizing LGBTQ people based on photos or videos or audio clips, and various academics theorizing that this or that part of the brain might be involved in how we categorize strangers based on stereotypes and cultural ideas about how an LGBTQ person supposedly looks, sounds, dresses, or moves. Well, I don't know about all that. (laughs) 
I just know what it feels like when someone looks at me and just knows somehow that I'm different. I've been out since I was 13 years old. And I've never been particularly successful at hiding who I am, even when it would be easier and quieter and safer to pass as cisgender and straight. I've spent decades pinging on people's gaydar <laughs> in a way that sometimes feels like a glowing target on my back. But I'm a Unitarian Universalist, and I know that flames glow too. For every person who saw my difference and tried to use that recognition to make me feel small and scared and ashamed, there's been another person who told me, thank you for being visibly queer. Even when I couldn't be myself, I could see you. I could see what was possible. I could imagine a future where I could be seen too. I do things like coming before this congregation to talk about being queer and trans, because while being seen is sometimes frightening and occasionally even dangerous, being visible is an expression of my faith. I believe that living an authentic life as my authentic self is a spiritual practice. I believe that the people around me can choose to recognize me as I truly am and affirm my inherent worth and dignity. I believe that I can be a flame that kindles possibility in the hearts of others, just as my LGBTQ mentors and predecessors throughout history have lit up my own heart with the joy of recognition. My faith is queer and my queerness is faithful. Here I am at the intersection inviting you to see me and hoping to see you too. Good morning. I'm Bis and I use he and she pronouns. Like everyone else, I only have a few minutes to tell you something that is both vitally important and near and dear to my deepest heart. A difficult task to complete in only three minutes. <laughs> so please take my verbal hand and follow me quickly into the woods of what I want to show you. My transness has everything to do with my spiritual life. In the crucible of my suffering and dissatisfaction with my life as I was living it before transition, and in the journey of the daily choices I make for myself, I have studied the meaning of discernment. I found that it was possible to imagine a life and then live it. I found that I could align myself with a will that lived within me and yet seemed much larger than me, an inscrutable driving passion which never failed to make my life more beautiful, more wonderful, more prayerful, more lovely, never quite easier, but better, yes. I found that my life and my body could be art, by which I mean something like prayer, 
not a petition and not an attempt at the always captivating but ultimately lifeless thing we call perfection, but an entering into a way of being, a joyfulness, a dedication, an attentiveness to that which is and that which could be, an expression of the wonder I feel for what is sacred. I found that the body is a prism through which some sort of light shines, and that changing the prism changes the shape of the light as it passes through that prism, and I found that this can be terrifying and also amazing. I found that time marches onward and that a body changes whether you decide to do anything with it or not. And I even found that I could approach my own body. And sometimes I could even experience a blessed neutrality about it in which I feel nothing in particular about it at all. (laughs) And sometimes I can shake its hand. And sometimes, sometimes I can hold it close and I can realize that it's crying, and I can apologize it, apologize to it for the times I have treated it with cruelty, and I can thank it for the ways that it has always been there, trying to live, always working with me to create a living prayer. I think that there is a life that burns inside of every person, and if we do not attend to it, that living flame may burn through us from the inside out, or it may flicker patiently in silence, but always it yearns to be born. I believe it is our responsibility collectively to midwife these lives as best we can, not only our own lives, but the lives of others. We are blessed whenever we have the chance to be the hands of love, the hands of spirit that shepherd people through any valley of becoming. Thank you for coming with me on this run through the forest. I hope you saw a tree or two that you liked. Let us now say together the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. For our benediction, I offer you this poem. It's titled, Embraced. They sat alone on a pew surrounded by what seemed like dispiriting vastness. There, in that sacred space, she let the hurt and grief wash over her. He let the tears come. And slowly, slowly but also as if it had been there all along, they began to feel some comforting presence. He felt held. She sensed the fullness of true divinity. They experienced God transcending finite forms of love or being. And the vastness became an all-loving embrace. There, 
in that sacred space. Finally, they rose, ready to face what they must, a vast sacredness glowing within them. May the congregation say, Amen. Amen. Blessed be. I send you much love. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.